You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, Partigan and Stapes invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome once again to Poker in the Ears. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife, James Hardigan. Hello. I have missed you all so, so, even you, James. Mwah, mwah. <laughs> I, Can I just clarify, were those kisses specifically for me, or are they for the audience? One was for you. Thank you. One was for the audience, and one was for me, because let's be <laughs> honest, I even missed me. Coming up on today's show, we have got a lot to catch up on. I feel I feel rusty. I don't know how to podcast anymore. It's so weird. Really- uh, this is the longest break, by the way, we've ever taken. I think 2015, 2016, 2017, I think we took like five or six weeks off in the summer. This was yeah. an eight-week break. Yeah, and like I, I almost forgot the name of the show at the beginning. All right, we got a lot to catch up on. World Series of Poker, that happened. Yep. The first ever stop on the Money Maker Tour, that happened. And that was great. That was a lot of fucking fun. We also uh, have to po- explain what the Money Maker Tour is because the last time we did a podcast, it didn't even exist. Right. Happy to do it. Can't wait to get to that. Poker Stars, <laughs> the, the teat here that James and I feast on, has announced WCOOP 2018. Uh, that is going to be huge. We'll talk more about that later. James went on like nine vacations. That has a slight exaggeration, but considering that slight. even if I'd had one vacation, it would have been one more than you, I'm not going to split hairs. Uh, the good thing is, even though I was away a lot this summer, we still found time for another one of our inept PUBG duo sessions, which bizarrely is the only time that you and I actually spoke during that eight-week break. Literally... From the last podcast we recorded, episode 124, through to today, the only time that we have actually spoken vocally, obviously we've texted each other, was during that PUBG session. And I also, I wrote you like a really nice email during the World Series of Poker. Nothing! I got nothing back from you. Sorry, I was on one of my vacations. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what else? Superfan versus Stapes is back. Uh, This guy, Brian Siegel, he's challenging me to swingers and... I cannot throw this one. I'm sorry in advance, Brian. I know this movie inside and out. It is neck and neck for my favorite movie of all time. I literally live in the neighborhood in Hollywood where the movie takes place. I live across the street from the diner where the opening and closing scenes take place. Joe, okay, be careful. Know- you are setting yourself up for an almighty mother. Uh, this is one thing that I am I'm sure about. I will fucking rock this quiz. No doubt. And finally, we saved the best for last here in the intro. Uh, no big deal. Daniel DeGranu on the show. Bring oh, yes. us back out of podcast retirement with the big guns. Yes, absolutely. Let's let's relaunch this new season of Poker in the Ears in style. I should point out, by the way, and I appreciate that there's a slight irony in this. We're back from our break for literally two weeks. Then there's another two-week hiatus due to EPT Barcelona. But then we have a clear run from mid-September right through to mid-December, just before EPT Prague, where there's going to be a podcast every single week, and there is something very exciting planned during that period. We'll tell you more when we do the Barcelona live stream. Uh, But yeah, it was weird. I feel rusty as well, Joe, not having done the podcast for this long. Uh, I know you've been supremely busy. I got to go to Italy, I got to go to Finland, and I got to go to France. What was Um, the best? Tell me something great about vacation. Tell me a great vacation story. A great vacation story. Um, 
Went to Paris last weekend, actually, and went to this amazing modern art exhibition at the Palais de Tokyo, oh, where they had... Art. No, 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 uh. this is so, so cool. It's this installation space, this giant kind of open warehouse, and the the display is about a dozen to 20 sleeping clowns, and it was creepy AF. Real human beings? Well, this is the thing. They were mannequins, but they were so realistically posed in kind of like relaxing or sleeping positions that I thought they were real. I was like investigating, and I was thinking, it would be so awesome if just one of them, just one of them was an actual actor who then suddenly sprung up and surprised all these people walking around this exhibition. Did you see there's a there's a viral web video? I think it's in Paris where this guy's walking through like one of those creepy like tunnels and a magician and a hidden camera show plays a trick on him and flashes a like a like a like a flashpoint thing and this clown comes out of nowhere from the darkness to oh scare God. the dude. But then the dude pulls a gun <gasps> on the clown and they're like, "Wait, wait, wait, it's a TV show. It's oh, a TV show." No. But Clowns are legit. That shit's fucking scary. Clowns are scary. Uh, talking of pulling guns, we did have our second PUBG session, which was just oh, as God. unsuccessful as our first. No, no, hold on a second. I mean, it was just as unsuccessful in that we didn't win, <laughs> but it was more successful. Did I even get a kill? I don't even think so. I think James had one kill in four games, but we was more successful in that. I didn't we- realize that since we last played it, you've literally never fired up the game. So you're still learning the basics. You still can't even parachute out of the plane properly. So we've got a long way to go before we can master this game as a duo. Okay. Well, not only do we have a long way to go. So after the last game we played, I just stayed on to watch. Uh, and then I saw we will never, ever win at that game. The 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 moves that these guys are making that are like toward the end, they're like switching guns midair and slapping silencers on i saw a guy like people are using like seven med kits in a row like hiding behind a tree with a with a like one guy like with a sniper rifle like it is it is wild how skilled these guys are at this we will never ever win but we have to keep trying because there's a lot of fun in trying it is fun we should stream it though yeah next time i I think we need to i I think we're so inept at the moment that it would be so bad that it's not even entertaining i think next time especially if you put a little bit more time in to actually get to grips with the fundamentals of the basic controller then i think we'll probably be good to stream where the the fuck is the shooting gallery like i just want some practice like take some target practice to see what the guns do when you fire them because i don't know like if if it's my error or if it's just gun recoil like i don't even know what i'm doing wrong yeah i agree with you there needs to be some form of like training program rather than just throwing you straight into the game anyway as i said that's the only time that we spoke and here's the weird thing joe i mean i know that you're big on the whole instant message thing normally with random girls you've met on the internet it's like, that doesn't work for me. I'm still old school. I need to have a proper conversation. So I am really glad we did that because to go like an entire, like nearly three months without actually speaking to someone would be really weird when you work with them so much and you see them so often and you do a weekly podcast with them. It is weird, but it's also weirdly fine at the same time. Like some people might worry. Some people might be like, oh, like I haven't spoken to James. I wonder if everything, and I was like, nah, we're fine. It's but also we, we, again being out of practice like you know is, yeah, is, is the true. mojo still going to be there is what, that that magic still going to be alive uh, i know what you're all magic, saying uh, what what magic what uh, magic so yeah you what was funny is that after our last PUBG game you and i stayed on the line and had like a a business personal catch up <laughs> for about 15 minutes through xbox <laughs> 
which I'm sure, like, according to Microsoft's privacy policy, which I didn't read before agreeing to, it can probably be published, used, scrutinized. Oh, wow. Whoa. Yeah, maybe we should not do that next time. Anywho, tell me about what you were doing while I was on vacation. All right. Well, obviously, I worked the World Series of Poker. We'll get to that later. Uh, after that, I went almost immediately to Fargo to do some more Poker Night in America. But I was really excited. Uh, this kind of funny how this all went down. So they announced this moneymaker tour and me being sort of the American redheaded stepchild. I didn't know anything about it until it got announced on Twitter. And I was like, oh, this first stops in California. You know what? I think I'm going to go. And so I just am like, you know what? I'm going to go play this event. I'll be there. And then a few days later, Poker Stars was like, oh, wait, do you want to go work it? And I was like, okay, sure. Why not? Like, I was going to go anyway. And um, man, uh, so much fun. Uh, great event. Uh, 86 stuff. So basically, should I explain what it is now? Is that what we're doing here? We can do that for sure. I mean, this is something that was put together over a period of time. Uh, a lot of hard work had to go into agreeing the deals with the casinos. But just to put it into perspective... A lot of people have been asking ever since the PokerStars Players Championship was announced and ever since the idea of winning platinum passes became a thing uh, at the start of this year, how Americans can potentially win them. Because, of course, we don't run live events in North America. Uh, there's no opportunity for players in the U.S. other than the state of New Jersey to play on PokerStars. So the idea was, what if there were... Uh, some low buy-in events at casinos across the US run by the casinos but kind of endorsed by poker stars where you could win a platinum pass where it's added value and because it's the 15th anniversary of Chris Moneymaker winning the World Series of Poker and he qualified for $86 it all tied together call it the Moneymaker Tour make them $86 buy-ins in honor of Chris's World Series satellite buy-in and then give people in the States the opportunity to win platinum pass it did not surprise me that the first event attracted ridiculous numbers, and I'm sure that every other stop on this mini tour will also do equally well. Yeah, and look, the the low buy-in events, these kinds of things are, are exactly the kind of thing I would like to see more of in general. They are hugely popular with real people, regular people. So me and Daniel and Chris and Jason Somerville we all went to Sacramento. The people there were so happy to have us. They they were thrilled. And I love going to things like this with Daniel where like it's specifically he's there to be in photos with people to sign autographs. I love standing there and seeing the people like kind of nervously off to the side and be like, you want a photo with Daniel? You're like, come here. Come here. You want a photo with Daniel? Um, I got to play. I showed up there, won the, uh, won the Thursday nightly. Uh, I, I went a, a night early. Ended up chopping that three ways, and I was the chip leader, and I uh, – the guys brought up a deal. I go, okay, I have two conditions. One is it has to be an even chop, and they're like, huh? And I was like, number two is uh, I have to be the winner. <laughs> and so – because I want to be able to say tomorrow, and I looked at the tournament director, Justin, this awesome dude, and I was like, look, I, I won this tournament, right? Because I want to be able to say I want it. And he's like, yeah, 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 you want it. And then what happened was they're giving away a $300 seat for like their monthly tournament as bonus. And I was like, look, guys, I don't want the $300 seat. So I think whoever takes it should give $100 to it was three or three handed. Should yep. give $100 to each of the other guys. You get you get $100 extra. We each get $100 cash. The one dude was like, nah. And I was like, really, dude? 
Really? And so he was like, I want to see the ICM numbers. And I was like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? So then they do the ICM numbers. And of course, I get more money. Of course. Because I'm the chip leader. And I'm like, okay, I accept the ICM numbers. And then all of a sudden he's like, okay, okay, okay. I'll take the other deal. (laughs) Look, I can understand that because how often in your life do you get to be in a position where you can say, "Uh, I want to see the ICM numbers? Okay, fine. If for like, yeah, for like novelty purposes, I get it. But for I was shits like, and just, giggles, just to force some poor bastard in the casino to bring out his laptop and start fiddling around with Excel. Yeah, I mean, I felt bad for then the tournament director handled it very well. He was like, he was like, you know, treated it like it was any other big tournament. He was like, sure thing, no problem. Anyway, um, congratulations on your first win. Does that mean you now have a Hendon mob page? I do not did not make hand him up. Not ah. my first win in a nightly, by the way. I've I've uh, chopped the Caesars nightly a few times, if you remember. But uh, as far as the main event is concerned, I did very poorly uh, in this event. I will say this: I felt like I won from the very first hand. On the very first hand in this tournament, uh, under the gun plus one, this woman moves all in, and it comes around to me in like middle position, and I have ace king. And I h- hate to do this, but like I have to tank for a few seconds. And I'm like, I don't, I genuinely don't know what to do here. It is a re entry tournament, but there are so many alternates that it was going to be hours before I could get back in. Right. And luckily for that reason, I folded Ace King and everyone else folded and she showed aces. Wow. And I don't think that I would have if I've been able to jump back in. Uh, so. A local ends up winning it. Just what we want. A uh, guy wins 30K, but I brought Jesse with me. Now, I tuned into the live stream when it was three-handed because I saw that, number one, it was still going, and it must have been, what, like two in the morning local time? So it was like uh, 10 o'clock here in London. So I switched on the stream, mainly because I wanted to hear your dulcet tones. What was hilarious, by the way, is you were in the booth, I believe it was with Brent Harrington and uh, Jason Somerville. And okay. this is what it sounds like. This is This is Brent Harrington. This is Jason Somerville. This is Joe Somerville. For some reason, you were ridiculously loud, and the other two were really quiet. That's what they're paying me for, James, to come in and be loud. I got to give them the full Stapleton experience. Anyway, I tuned in because I wanted to watch you, and I was shocked, horrified, and delighted to see that Jesse had made the final three. Understandably, yes. when I think they got three guys with like fifteen big blinds each, no one really wants to play a hand, and it's getting to situations where people are forced all in from the big blind, and it's obviously just such a massive gap between first place and second place. Like, what was it? The thirty k platinum pass for the winner, and like six, six grand, six k for second, yeah, yeah. And I know obviously they did a deal to ensure that second and third got the same because the stacks were pretty even. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was fun to watch, and obviously a huge result for this uh, for this guy who who, who won it yes and so jesse and i had swapped 20 percent. and honestly it would have been very exciting had he won the platinum pass but also a bit of a weird situation if he had also because then it turns into a thing where like just personally between him and i how does that work the 20 percent? and then i don't really i really can't have a piece of somebody in the in the pspc no, it would have been so, super awkward Right. So I was very happy that and they they chopped uh, second and third, yes. just locked up a deal for second place money. Jesse cash for five K. I got myself a thousand bucks and something, you know, that Jason Somerville told me, James, I don't know if you, obviously you're aware of this, but it was cool news to me is that all of our TV shows 
are now running 24-7 on Run It Up 24-7. I'm acutely aware of this because we had to supply said TV shows to Run It Up 24-7 to ensure that they can stream them on a 24-7 basis. So I recently I've been getting tweets and stuff like people tweeting old I know. jokes at me. It's really random. If you go onto Twitch at any one time, there's normally around anything between 500 and 1,000 people just watching whatever random show just happens to be on at that time. Yeah, Jason says they do pretty good numbers, like even when they're not actually broadcasting anything. Sometimes they are still the number one poker stream in the directory, even though they're just showing a continuous stream of classic content. I mean, I wish we could take credit for that being our shows, but it's obviously, you know, the audience Jason has built up on that channel. But still, I think it's cool that I think know, it's the combination of the two, because let's be honest, this is a brand new channel. This is not serving. So you oh, can't right, say right. this is capitalizing on the existing run up following. This is building uh, some of Jason's fan base and some of the Pokestars Twitch channel fan base and people who just want to watch good poker content. So Jason wasn't able to answer this for me, but like, so how much are we getting paid per viewing of these? Is it uh, tens of dollars, thousands? Uh, uh, zeros of dollars, I think okay, is more zero. of an, a, an, an accurate was, number. I figured it was probably zero. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, by the way, because I know we have quite a lot of people who listen to this podcast in the US um, who maybe don't really benefit from any of the promotions we run or or, or any of the events that we run on, on, on my side of the Atlantic. Do check out the schedule for the Moneymaker Tour. Watch out when new events are announced because I think these events are going to be enormously successful, a lot of fun, so much value. Chris Moneymaker is going to be at all of them. There's value in itself. Plus, of course, <laughs> you do have the possibility of winning a Platinum Pass worth $30,000 for just $86. Uh, well, just to cap off Joe's ridiculously busy summer, you were working yesterday as well. I thought you were at home in Los Angeles this week. You're not. You're in Florida. Yeah, I'm at the Seminole Hard Rock right now and doing that ridiculous job I have where I MC the four final tables all happening at the same time and i gotta tell you they had pretty cool final tables yesterday um who won the high roller uh, the high roller was won by uh jake schindler who you remember won yes. the high roller the first time that you and i came to seminole hard rock there is uh so that was a cool uh heads up match there it was jake schindler versus sean deeb alex foxen won the final event here that ended yesterday another alex result for alex foxen he won the same event last year, James. Ridiculous. He went back to back in the 2650 event. Also, this was an amazing. It was Alex Fox and Blair Hinkle. Uh, the table played heads up for longer than it was not heads up. It was one of those. They played heads up for six hours. The rest of the table took about four hours for them to get to heads up. So uh, that went down there. Uh, the 1100 was won by a lesser known person, but the, the main event. Uh, also had a couple of big names at it too, so it's just a you know a pretty cool, uh, fairly recognizable name thing going on here at the Hard Rock. And yes, uh, my, I'm actually going to have like six whole days off before I have to fly to Barcelona. Fantastic! Uh, before we do the rest of the poker news, uh, I just want to quickly touch on one movie because regular listeners to this podcast will know that we occasionally go off topic, and pop culture becomes a huge part of poker in the years. Um, I saw your tweet about Mission Impossible Fallout. I saw yeah. Nick Welthall's tweet about this movie. Uh, a couple of people in the office were saying that it was a mind-blowing movie, so I had to break my usual rule, which is don't go to the cinema because I always have a miserable time, and went to see this film at the cinema. I'm very glad I did. It was awesome. Uh, it says here, it says here, movie of the summer, question mark. Uh, it, this is possibly movie of the ever. Like, this is 
one of the best action movies in history it is excellent i should point out that in the run-up to seeing it i revisited every other mission impossible movie bar number two which i don't think i could bring myself to watch a second time and it is a really solid franchise and don't get me wrong i really like this film but the others are just as good Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation, which was Christopher McQuarrie's first entry in the series, are really strong films with some amazing set pieces. And this is just yet another brilliant entry in the canon. I think that um, the one that, you know, three, I, I really feel like th th that franchise kind of had a bit of a Fast and Furious kind of feel to it, where there was like kind of a, a reboot when J.J. Absolutely. took over. And since he's basically produced all of the films, they've had like a continuous narrative thread. Although yeah. there are some callbacks to the first movie in this film, and it's still very much part of the series, uh, even though it had a very different style. And I love the original, by the way, and it holds up really well. But no, this film is fantastic. And no spoilers, because this is not going to be one of our full reviews. And I just want to touch on one sequence. It's quite early on in the film. There is a moment when Tom Cruise and Henry Cavill do a halo jump from a plane over Paris. They jump from 35,000 feet down to the surface. And it's almost done as a continuous shot following them down on this halo jump. And I'm sitting there thinking, wow, how on earth did they do this? I'm thinking CGI. I'm thinking wind tunnels. No, of course not. What happened is they planned it for over a year. Both actors had training and they did 106 halo jumps of which they got three usable takes with a single cameraman who was instructed to stay three feet behind the actors to get the shot of them going down. And they had three minutes a day, by the way, to do this at sunset, filming it in, um, they couldn't film in France. So I think they filmed it in like uh, Dubai or somewhere like that. It's real. They actually did it. They did this 106 days? 106 times, over 106 days, from which they got three usable takes, which they cut together into the sequence that's in the film. I mean, look, it's a gamble, but it paid off. Like, it's just fucking fantastic. It is fantastic. So I actually have a theory that, I, I this is kind of uh, grim, but I think that Tom Cruise wants to die shooting an action movie. Wow. I think that that's like, that's what he would, his preferred way of going out, given the stunts he did in the last movie, and in this one, I think that that would be like ideal for him, like a way to end his life and or career. No, I, I mean, there's everyone knows that Tom Cruise injured himself during the making of this film. He broke his ankle. That scene is in the film. Him breaking his ankle and limping away afterwards is in the film. Um, I was, uh, it is mind blowing. Arguably, you could say two and a half hours is a little long, but trust me, it doesn't feel like it. It flies by, and I have care. every desire to see this film again. I kind of feel that we're already in the poker news section, so let's just continue running through stuff we've missed, stuff that's going on, and let's acknowledge the elephant in the room, shall we? Um, this is not a good week for poker stars. There have been some problems. That's putting it mildly, James. Uh, technical issues affecting the poker stars server. And many people suspected, and it has now been confirmed in a statement from PokerStars, that this was a series of DDoS attacks causing site outages, causing disconnections, causing tournaments to be cancelled. Um, and obviously PokerStars has said that they're doing everything they can to resolve these issues and work with law enforcement to prevent them in the future. So at this stage, there's not a lot more that can be said about that. 
Also, I don't think there's any point in stating the obvious, which is this is fucking terrible, both for PokerStars as a business and for our customers. What I want to say is sorry, because you and I are basically people who stand up as ambassadors for this company. We encourage people to play on PokerStars, and we want people to have a great experience when they sign up and when they play on the site. And people can't do that right now. And I think it's... I really feel for everyone who's been affected by all these problems. And the one thing I do want to clarify, because when this initially happened on Sunday, there was a lot of bad feeling from people who didn't like the fact that the automatic payouts weren't right. Because what happened is most people got disconnected, but players in countries like Romania and Belgium were able to keep going. And it was another 45 minutes to an hour before they were able to then pause and close the tournaments, at which point... Mm. The payouts happen, right? And as we know, when a when a when a game is cancelled, the payouts are done by chip chop. Right. Now, if certain people have been able to keep playing for another 45 minutes to an hour, they are able to steal blinds, win pots. And if you looked at the payout tables, you saw all these guys from Belgium and all these guys from Romania getting huge payouts. One guy getting more than first place was advertised to pay. Now, I knew when I saw all this vitriol being poured out on social media, I knew what would happen because it's happened before. And that is that the team will roll back the clock and they will go back to when these players got disconnected and they will manually adjust these payouts to make sure that people get what they're owed. But the crucial word in that sentence, manual. It has to be done with every single player and it takes time. And that's why we're talking about a 72-hour period. And there have been so many problems, so many requests, it's taking time to make it right. So it is going to take time, but it will be corrected Obviously, PokerStars is going to do the right thing. And I know it's really hard to say to people, please be patient. But that's, I guess, what we are saying in addition to sorry, because this is not what the site is meant to be. This is not the experience you want customers to have. And I hate it. And I hate to see people so upset and so miserable every time this is happening. But all we can hope is that this stops soon or that there is some resolution to this soon. I mean, it seems like obviously people are understandably not having the best time right now. But it does seem like people are understanding and are um, happy with the way that PokerStars has been handling it. You know, poker players are quite vocal when they're unhappy. And I've seen a lot of people... Uh, put it out there that uh, at least Poker Stars is doing the best they can to to deal with this in the fairest way possible. Well, I've seen a lot of people saying the opposite, um, feeling that really, yeah, that they don't feel that there's been enough communication, or they don't feel that um, uh, that this is uh, that this is fair or right, and that more could be done. And I'm not, I'm basically not going to criticize those people because I completely understand how they feel right now, which is kind of angry, disappointed, and let down. But yes, we just have to hope that this can all be resolved soon and i just didn't want anyone to think that you know here's joe and i back after our summer break and we're laughing it up and having fun while you know you're having a bad experience at home we're acutely aware of that um and you know we want to make sure that uh that, that you understand from our perspective that we're as we're as pissed off about this as everyone else is um the other thing which i guess is not a positive story but has to be covered um was the announcement that the two plus two poker cast which i guess you know let's let's be honest with ourselves is the flagship uh poker podcast has ended after more than 10 years um which obviously i was very sad to hear um just to give a a little bit of history here 
Joe, when we decided to start doing a podcast, I remember emailing Adam Schwartz, who was the longtime co-host of the 2 Plus 2 PokerCast, just to kind of put things in perspective. Because at that time, I don't know if you remember, but the PokerCast was sponsored by PokerStars. And I said, look, this is not us in any way trying to threaten you. We want to do something very different because the PokerCast did a lot of in-depth poker news coverage and they talked they talked about everything and stuff that we don't really want to get into on the show including strategy including some of the more controversial things some hot takes stuff that you know you and i more want to focus on entertaining people and you know and also just sort of back ending and giving a behind the scenes of specifically what you and i do on the european poker tour sure so i made it very clear to adam and i hope it was clear when we launched that this was meant to be a very different show um maybe there'll be some crossover in the audience but i think we were going much more for the sorry to use the word pokertainment vibe rather than it being kind of too poker news heavy or poker strategy yeah. heavy um but obviously the poker cast Ugh, is strategy there is now gone now i'm not saying for one second that we need to do a lot of strategy we do the occasional hand history and we do talk poker but i feel that that section of uh of poker talk is they still covered. being but i do think it's also still being covered off elsewhere Poker News still have their podcast, for example. But I just want to put the question out there. Is there anything that we're not doing? Is there anything we should do more of? Is there a gap in the market that we're missing? Um, Here's an example, right? So you mentioned at the top of the show, Joe, that WCOOP has been announced. And this is something that we would acknowledge on the show. Obviously, this is the major online series that PokerStars offers every single year. But what we'd normally say is we'd give the headline figures. We'd talk about the fact that if you want more information, go to the PokerStars blog and we'd move on. Do you want us to go into the fact that some people don't like the fact that WCOOP is now a tiered series like Scoop with low, medium, high buy-ins? Some people feel it's lost its shine, it's lost its prestige, and people want it to still be a a tournament series for the elite to decide who is the world champion uh, of online poker. Do you want us to go through the schedule in detail? Do you want us to speak to someone from PokerStars, from the tournament's team, about what the thinking is? That's what, for example, they would do on the PokerCast. Is that the void we should be filling, or is that still covered off elsewhere? So I'm open to feedback. I think we need to have this kind of like, not identity crisis, but we do need to kind of ask the question, shine a spotlight on ourselves and say, what should we be doing more of? What should we be doing less of? I think if we ask the question, we'll get the answers. They might not be consistent, but hashtag poker in the ears. You're our listeners. You're our subscribers. Tell us what you want more of. Tell us what you want us to be. Or do we just keep doing what we do right now? James, if I could weigh in on this for a second, you know my policy on feedback is uh, positive feedback only. I'm not really interested in anyone else's opinion. This is a show, <laughs> for my opinion, to go outward. Okay, this is an out hole. This is not an in hole. Well, but if, <laughs> James, if you insist... On listening to other people's opinions about what to do on our show, fine. I can't stop you. Well, positive po- hashtag positivity, hashtag positive feedback only, hashtag poker in the ears. My gut instinct, Joe, is we're <laughs> going to be fine. I mean, I, I just saw this tweet here from uh, Tim Continenza uh, in the US. And he tweeted a week ago, with the end of the 2 Plus 2 poker cast, I'm down to two poker podcasts, Thinking Poker and poker in the ears one is pure bubblegum the other is poker i think we know which one we are (laughs) and i have no problem with being the bubblegum and you know i don't take that as an insult and if that's the kind of niche that we fill if that is the gap in the genre that we should be filling great i just don't want part of the reason i didn't want to 
do that other stuff is because they did it really well. They did. And I'm, as they, I said, I'm really sorry to see the show go. Adam, Ross, Terrence, and Mike Johnson back in the day did an amazing job. And I think we sat you know, alongside them complimenting the work they did perfectly. But if they're not there, should we take on board some of the stuff that they did do? Just asking the question. If people feel it's covered off elsewhere, we'll carry on as we were. I mean, that sounds like a lot of work, James. I don't know. Sorry to make you actually <laughs> have to potentially do more, Joe. But, you know, it's, it's about the fans. It's about the community. These are the people we need to serve. I'm going to start like a dozen Twitter accounts and just use the hashtag poker in the ears and just write more bubblegum. Uh, anyway, just to clarify, WCOOP was announced running for yeah. the first two weeks in September. And yeah, I guess traditionally the World Championship of Online Poker has always set, it up, set itself up to be the online equivalent of the World Series of Poker. And just as the WSOP has evolved and has introduced some lower buy-in events, maybe to give everyone the shot at a bracelet, I think it's quite nice that WCOOP has got low, medium, and high events now to give more people the chance of being a world champion. Um, but let's talk about the WSOP, the 2018 World Series of Poker, and let's introduce this week's special, very honoured guest. Event Recap. Event Recap. So as we delve into events of the summer and specifically, obviously, the big series in Vegas over the summer months, we welcome back to Poker in the Ears, making his annual appearance on the show, Mr. Daniel Negranu. Hello again, Daniel. What's up, gentlemen? You sound cheery this morning. Always cheery. Always happy. Yes, D Daniel, we're just happy to be back on the air. You know, we've, we've been on a hiatus and, you know, they don't pay me when I'm not doing shows. You seem to be doing okay, buddy. He's doing fine. <laughs> yes. Hang on, I'm just going to do the math. 2015, 2016, 2017. Daniel, this is your fourth appearance on this podcast. When are we going to get to appear on your podcast? Ooh, that could be a thing real soon because I got some exciting news around that, but I can't tell you right now. Ah, the teaser. Well, I guess I can. I'm going to be doing like much. I'm going to do be doing a lot more podcasting, probably on a weekly basis. Wow, really? Thanks. Because we were just thinking we've got rid of one opposition with the 2 plus 2 poker cast, thinking when Negrano seems to have given up on this, we thought we were actually going to dominate this category. But no, along he comes. I'm going to make weekly shows great. It's way worse than you think, then. You, <laughs> You're going to love you, the announcement. Do you need a, <laughs> do you need a co host, Daniel? <laughs> I have uh, two. Um, we're, it's going to be a three man show, or three and a half. Three and a half? Is, yeah, Peter, Dink is Peter Dinklage going to be on your show? Yeah, not that kind of half. Okay. He's tall. The other guy's actually the tallest one of the bunch. Well, now I'm worried. Now I'm really worried. Uh, this sucks, James. We went we went from being number three, and now we're going to be number four. <laughs> you are an entertainment podcast, which is a lot of fun, and you know there's a little pr poker sprinkled in. So you're number one in that category by a long shot. So what is your podcast content going to be? Is it going to be strategy or or what? Oh no, it's going to be poke. You know, like it's. It, it's going to be poker. It's going to be all things poker. Um, I'm not sure if we're going to do much strategy stuff. Strategy on a podcast, it's very difficult without the visual, you know, to talk about a hand. Because when people are listening to a podcast, they're like, huh? 
what was the board again? What was the flop? It's 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 it, with having the visuals helps a lot. I think it me. What did you say, Joe? It me. It's an internet thing, guys. They say it me. It me. Like that's me listening to poker strategy. I'm like, what? I, what even hand are we talking about right now? What was the board? You can't be using this young people speak. You're 43. Start acting your age. <laughs> You're so basic. Uh, by the way, Daniel, uh, belated happy birthday. Uh, I know that uh, you recently turned 44. You're now one year older than Joe. Yeah, it just happened. I'm now one, I was like, we were even and now I'm older. It's I know. It's, it's amazing how, how, <laughs> how mathematics works. Uh, Daniel, I'm really pleased you're here, if for no other reason. that I want to talk about some of the stuff that happened during the World Series. And even though Joe was there every single day, he has the memory of a goldfish, whereas you remember shit. So you might recall the fact, for example, that Phil Helmuth Jr. won his 15th bracelet this summer, which I guess was one of the big headlines to come out of this year's WSOP. And he really answered his critics with this one. And I guess it almost made amends for his shitty behavior earlier on in the series. Well, you want things for sure. Phil Helmuth certainly had a lot of headlines this World Series. And oh, yeah. most, of them, most of them were bad. <laughs> and then like the win, I guess, helped. And, you know, it's, you know, I don't know that it's going to like winning a bracelet's a cool thing, but like winning a one K turbo where you got it all in, you know, four to one dog, like four times in one, you know, it's, it's, I don't know that that exactly, you know, silences the critics. It silences <laughs> some of them. It's not like, wow, look at this field that he beat. You know, it, it wasn't like some sort of great performance. And I needled him about that because like, you know, obviously some people were saying, you know, I was watching the hands and stuff and he got it in pretty bad a lot, but he doesn't mention any of that. You know, he just talks about, you know, the, 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 the great skill that, that he maneuvered his way to the win. The point is he's still winning shit, though. And some people said, I mean, I remember a few years back, people saying, oh, Helmuth will never win another bracelet. And of course he did. And he's won another one. And it doesn't really matter what the event is. He's racking them up. Honestly, yeah. I mean, if you play enough events, though, like anyone <laughs> think that he's never. No, really. Anyone who says he's never going to win another one, just like that's ridiculous because he plays, you know, say maybe in the neighborhood of 30 a year. So he's going to play, you know, 150 over five years ish so winning one in a you know is, is not all that out of the realm he he's good enough to beat uh, a lot of the weaker fields in the world series of poker if i were to say like you know can he win like a you know sort of super high roller bowl or anything like that i i would say i would say there's no chance at all ever so I just want, like, Daniel, you're pretty outspoken about, uh, you know, having this opinion of Phil, and he just receives this criticism so well. Like, that's at least something, like, I admire about him, that it's all just like water off a duck's back to this guy. You have to if you're Phil, because when you're Phil, you're already, like, in another, you know, realm of, you know, insanity, in the sense that, like, he dishes it out, he talks about how great he is, so he, he makes himself a target, so he has to take the the needling and you know the pushback uh, as it comes otherwise like it's just you know be, well it is it's kind of ridiculous anyway like when he says the things that he does but i find them funny and i'm one of the few that actually calls him out on it and just doesn't go okay cool i actually respond and go no phil that's not true you are not better than fedor holtz you are not <laughs> yeah. better than Hitler. and what He's i love not- about it is that if Daniel said some of the things about me that he says about Phil, I would never speak to Daniel ever again, but it's like fucking groundhog day. Like Phil's just like back for more every single day. Yeah. Well, I mean, we have a good rapport over the years. That's why I kind of like, well, when, you know, when we did the November 9th thing, they had us do the break desk. Cause, uh, you know, my job was essentially to just make fun of Phil in such a way that <laughs> would storm off of the, uh, off the set. 
It's such a layup. It's such a good gig. Now, I did reference the fact that Phil had that big blow up, uh, that big outburst earlier on in the series. This one particularly controversial beyond some of his others because it influenced the action of the hand, something he got called out for by a number of pros on Twitter. And then he doubled down before he finally realized that it might be a good idea to A, apologize and B, make amends to the poor guy who was affected by his actions. Yeah, his initial response wasn't very good because I think he misunderstood what people were upset about. You know, he apologized for for, for cursing. And we're like, <laughs> okay, nobody cares if you say shit and fuck. No one cares. It was like what you actually did in the hand. And I, I couldn't imagine if that happened to Phil where he was in a three-handed pot and someone else did that. Like the reaction he would have had, he would have liked that. He would probably like called for the guy to be banned from the tournament. Um but I do give Phil a lot of credit for like eventually understanding it and then like, you know, doing the right thing by giving the guy $10,000 for his buy in, ne- in the next se- next year. Exactly. Uh, Daniel, you mentioned the Super High Roller Bowl. Uh, let's talk about your summer so near yet so far. Yeah, I mean, it started off with a bang, right? In the Super High Roller Bowl, win $3 million, which, you know, guarantees a winning summer despite, uh, you know, knowing that I'm going to put a million of that into the uh, one drop. Um Tough opponent, Justin Bonomo. He's obviously on fire, winning everything, playing well. I mean, um, ridiculous. I mean, yeah. everyone went on about, you know, Fedor Holtz. Everyone went on about Dan Coleman. But this is unprecedented. Uh, and and obviously, the, the big thing that's happened is he's now obviously changed the, the world order. And now he sits one spot ahead of you on the all-time money list. Yeah, no, that was actually, I mean, people don't believe me when I say this, but I genuinely mean it. I was like, that was a relief when he did that because I've been hanging on to that spot for most of my playing career. And frankly, I always said this when I was number one. It's like, it is a silly list. Um, you know, as in- <laughs> now you can really call it silly. No, I mean, it really is. It's like, you know, especially with inflation. So let's, for example, about, you know, 20 million of my earnings come in buy-ins of $10,000 or less or something in that neighborhood. But now you can win 25 million in like eight months playing in like super high buy-ins. So it's all, and also more importantly, you can do it in fields of like 30 to 40 players. Now, if you take any 40 people, right. And you just say, you take 40 numbers, right. And you just like pick a ball that you like, you like a bingo thing and you pick a ball out and you do it like 50 times. Some of the numbers like, Oh my God, look at number four. Number four is crushing because number four keeps winning. That's going to happen in smaller fields a lot more often. So everyone who plays those, is going to go up if you break even you're going to you're going to cash for like three and a half four million dollars if you play the high roller tour so your 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 earnings will be like four million a year so over a five-year period you're gonna have 20 million in earnings and not necessarily have made any money whatsoever especially if you're playing for a small piece i got a way to fix this daniel i'm gonna i'm gonna have a 100 million dollar heads up tournament with you well, I'll let you win. You can be number one. I don't want to be on that <laughs> list. <laughs> exactly. And then I'll be number one on the all-time money list. And you can just pay me off in installments, like, you know, like a thousand bucks, thousand bucks a year for the next, <laughs> for the next 10,000 years. Why don't we do this? We'll do a hundred million dollar buy-in. Yeah. We're first pays 100 million, 2000 and second plays 99 <laughs> million, 900 and you know, whatever it is. <laughs> I'm in, I'm in buddy. So, that sounds good. Uh, but just to recap, second place in the Super High Roller Bowl to Justin Bonomo, who also then went on to win the one drop as well. I mean, Justin must be aware. He's you know he's an intelligent guy that he's just on the heater of a lifetime, right? And he's just running ridiculously hot. Well, I mean, I think he realized it's a combination of both. The, what you said is true, for sure. But he also, you know, I think he, 
fancies himself to be one of the top players in the game right now. And when you're running really well, it's, you know, it's easy to, you know, to believe that and feel that. And it's, you know, it's definitely true because, um, you know, his results speak for themselves when they're so consistent, you know, even after, uh, like you said, winning super Bowl, he went to Aria and won like two or three in a row of those 25 Ks. So guy, obviously, you know, he's actually, he's used solvers and done so in such a way that's really given him, um, you know, pretty significant, significant advantage. I think what's a solver. So solvers are essentially, you know, a software program that, you know, any anyone can learn to be like amazingly good at poker right now. Because in the old days, when you wanted to learn how to play poker, you're like, I don't know, what should we do here? There was no one that could give you the definitive answer. Whereas now, this solver, you can put in a situation and say, okay, this guy check raised me on the flop. What sh- what is the correct game theory optimal play? And it will literally tell you exactly what how you should proceed. And it typically does so in a frequency where it'll say, okay. 65% of the time you should, you know, re-raise and 35% of the time you should call. And you can figure out how to create those frequencies and implement them as a strategy. But this, the, you know, the, the game is, is, you know, for the most part, there are answers to questions now that are more than just it depends or we'll see, you know, things like that. But uh, it's, you know, having solvers actually has changed the game a lot because now less talented poker players, frankly, like some players that are just not that talented at the game, can get really, really good if they study really hard. So uh, what is the future of poker if it can be solved? Well, live poker is always going to be something that, you know, is going to have different variables where even though game theory is, uh, you know, sort of the staple of what a lot of these players start from, they're always deviating. Like, for, for example, Fedor Holtz told me he, like, he doesn't randomize his frequencies. He does it exploitatively based on the situation. And a guy like Bryn Kenny, as we know, he doesn't play like a robot. You know, like a robot-type player would be someone more like Dominic Nietzsche, who tries his best to stick exactly to game theory, and he's very effective with it. But there's different styles, there's different ways to take advantage of weaker players. So I don't think that, um, well, I don't think anyone actually can, you know, human, like no human, much like, you know, no human can beat like the ch- uh, the chess robot, right. no human will ever be able to beat sort of get or be able to play 100% game theory optimal. There's still human error involved is what you're saying. It's so it's too difficult. There are so many yeah. variables in different situations where you're like, okay, so in this situation, I'm supposed to do what exactly? It's a very unique one. And if you don't, you can, you can ballpark it and you can throw darts at it, but to be like exactly game theory optimal, I just don't see it feasible for the human mind. Okay. So poker is still safe for a little while. Yeah. And especially at the lower limits, like, you look at all these tours popping up and all these smaller events, and that's really where like poker is great. Like we just did this event at Stones, which was so much fun. You were there, Stapes. Yeah. I mean, this is what I remember poker to be. You know, small buying, eighty six bucks, the moneymaker tour, and people just having a blast, drinking, having fun. You know, it was like a lot of casual recreational players, and that's that's what I think the future of poker should and will be about. Of course, we're going to always have these high roller killers playing amongst themselves for the most part, but really where the game grows is at the grassroots level. It was such a breath of fresh air. I had, a, I had an amazing time there as well, and I was even working. So, Well, for the time being, let's continue talking about so-called serious poker, because, Daniel, the World Series, I know you really commit yourself to this every year. How did you feel about the 2018 series overall? Well, it, you know, it wasn't a good one for me. I did have a couple final tables, which is always nice. I had a third-place finish and, uh, like, a ninth-place finish and a couple 1500s, but missed out on all the bigger mind events, you know, didn't have a great series. I'm actually like, I know that I said this in my vlog, but I was actually very proud of how I was able to keep it together and play my best despite during the World Series 
going through like a breakup mid series, like in June twelfth, which is right in the middle. And Why then, do you always you know, do your breakups during the World Series? I don't always do them during the World <laughs> Series. One of them happened at the very end of the World Series. Oh no, one was during the main event. And that yes. wasn't my fault. That wasn't my fault. That was, <laughs> that was my agent Brian. What a, <laughs> that's a that's a good story. <laughs> what did you think of the main event? Uh, I I thought it was a lot of fun this year. Uh, I wanted to thank you actually because Daniel did such a great job uh, doing his job uh, on ESPN this summer that Brian Koppelman shouted him out and included me in the tweet. And that was one of the proudest moments of my life. So thank you, Daniel. I love that you set the bar that low. Ah! Proudest moments of your life. Is this the classic (laughs) Joe Stapleton riding someone else's coattails anecdote? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) No, I notice you've made a lot of celebrity friends. Like You and Norm MacDonald are chatting on social media every week now. Yes, I know, and he's one of my comedy idols. But while we have Daniel here, let's uh, I'll brag about that shit later. Daniel, main event, overall thoughts? I'm really happy to see the pace of play. You know, down to four or five tables, it seemed like people were, you know, respectful of time and, you know, moving at a pretty brisk pace. It's unfortunate that the heads up went as long as it did, only because I think a lot of viewers likely are going to turn tune out. I mean, I, I couldn't stay up till five or six in the morning to watch the end of it, but uh, I'm sure, you know, well, I'll, I'll get a chance to see the, the key hands uh, in the edited version. But overall, I mean, it was, you know, I thought it was uh, like a real, the final table itself, like the people, they all seemed to like each other. They were respectful of each other. And it was, I don't know, a good exhibition for poker. That's exactly how I felt about it. And uh, I also was particularly proud of Joe Cata, uh, who I think Daniel is kind of like one of those guys you mentioned before. I don't think he's like sitting there thinking about like what's game theory optimal. He's just kind of is an innate uh, poker player. I don't think he's studying solvers and to see him uh, almost win a second main event was pretty incredible. Yeah, I don't I I would bet that he's messed with solvers. I'd bet that you think so. Yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting because he represents to me. Uh, something similar to like I've seen before with a lot of main event champions. Like there are some main event champions who have won. And you know what? When they won, they weren't at their best. They were not that great. And then after maybe they didn't have as many results, then they went in the lab and actually got a lot better and, and became an even more uh, a, a, a more advanced poker player. Like, you know, I look at Joe Cotta. Look at Greg Merson, too, who's a great player. Was He was a great player when he won. He won two braces that summer. But he's so much better now. Like, uh, I loved seeing guys that, you know, win the biggest event of the year and then realize that they have more learning to do and they want to improve. And then there's the other category of player, players like Moneymaker, who were mediocre when they won and are mediocre now. <laughs> I, well, actually, I was going to put Moneymaker in that, in that category as well, because I think he's, he's been very aware of, like, you know, his game needs to be updated and he's worked with some people. He's got some coaching and he's, you know, trying to uh, improve his game. Now, when we were playing in Stones, he was drinking a lot of wine and had like a purple. <laughs> but that was a very small little fun cash game that we were playing. So I'm just never going to miss an opportunity to, 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 to rib Chris moneymaker. That's for sure. Um, Daniel outside of the world series, how has the rest of your summer gone? Well, since the world series of poker, I've been, you know, super, I had an ACL tear like in November and I had surgery in March. So, uh, with that in the hockey season and drinking and popcorn and all that stuff, I gained a little bit of weight. So uh, after the summer, after the World Series, my focus is 100%. been doing a vlog weekly, just kind of like documenting um, sort of the, 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 the goal. And the goal is like to lose like 4% body fat. So my life has literally just been so simple as, you know, gym, cardio, you know, golf a little bit, play some chess, catch up on some books, catch up on some TV shows like Silicon Valley is a new one I started watching. And, uh, 
really just uh, spending a lot of time with the puppies and, and really living like you just really sort of like in waiting for Barcelona. Like I'm pushing hard with this fitness stuff. And then in Barcelona, um, I'm going to look to, you know, get back in the game. James, you know how Daniel's diet is like kind of ridiculous to begin with the diet that he's been on for like whatever the last four weeks or something is <laughs> insane. He's like counting out almonds in the morning. <laughs> like he's like, oh, he's like, I, I can have six almonds at noon. I have a spreadsheet <laughs> I have a spreadsheet <laughs> where I put every meal in like literally like I count like, okay, 90 grams of broccoli. So like I put 90, I put it on a scale and weigh it and make sure sweet potato. Okay. hundred grams fruit, 50, 50 grams of blueberry. And I have it all exactly mapped out because I'm super anal retentive. And when I do it this way, I see the best results. James, Daniel is using food solvers. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, there are three things you mentioned I wanted to discuss, Daniel, in no particular order. Uh, two of them are things that dominate your social media feed right now. The first is hockey. Obviously, Vegas got its own hockey franchise. has an amazing kind of premier season. I mean, you just seem to be kind of like the world's biggest Golden Knights fan. Yeah, during the uh, NBC broadcast, they showed my tweets because I got two games in a row exactly right and the third one off by one goal, which I actually mentioned could be a thing. And uh, I'm doing the radio shows uh, on a semi-weekly basis. I also do the post-game radio with Frank and uh, and Clayton. And, you know, I really enjoy it. It's probably my fo- my most – I find it the most interesting thing for me to talk about. Obviously, maybe not on a poker show. But, if you know, when I do interviews now, they're mostly about hockey. Like, I'm getting people call me and say, can we get you on sports something? And they're like, oh, well, we could talk about a little bit about poker, but really we want to talk about hockey, which I'm like, yeah, I'm all in. Let's do that. How do the fans in Toronto feel about this? Well, I don't, you know, there's a lot of people in Toronto who feel like, you know, I guess, you know, you're a turncoat if you, you know, <laughs> leave the Leafs nation. But I kind of like got sour on that team years before we even had a team here in Vegas. And I still root for them, you know, secondarily. And they're in different conferences. One is on the East, one is on the West. So I can do that. But really, I'm here in Vegas for 20 years now. I go to all the games. You know, I really study the team and what, where they're going and stuff. So it, you know, it, it's just so epic and cool to have my own team here that, while I still, you know, enjoy rooting for the Leafs, I'm really, you know, Knights fan all the way. The second thing that I notice you tweet about a lot is chess. Is chess your new Hearthstone? Yes, absolutely. Like, so I stopped playing Hearthstone um, probably in October because I needed to study poker and I needed to work on my game. And I worked with a couple coaches and we were doing like, you know, whatever it was, like four to six hour sessions, you know, three, four times a week. And in the meantime, I was also playing poker. So uh, I knew that I had to like get rid of the Hearthstone, and now I'm not really studying poker. So uh, I found chess right before the World Series, and I'm really bad at it. And I've always been bad, and I always wanted to like at least be able to like play a game and kind of have an idea of what I'm doing. And so I've sort of delved in that. I have no illusions that I'm going to be any good at it because uh, I feel like it t- you have to start when you're young. But I just enjoy. I enjoy throughout my entire life. I always enjoy learning new things and tackling things that I really suck at and trying to get at least competent or maybe above average at. And I guess that's kind of my goal with chess. It's just a really interesting and fun game to play. Joe, are you going to jump on the chess bandwagon the same way you followed Daniel down the Hearthstone road? Uh, I don't think I can. Unless someone wants to offer me money to be a chess commentator, I think that I'm I'm a lost cause in the chess department. <laughs> yeah, it's too much, it's too much thinking, not enough explosions. There's no titties. And Daniel, we're looking forward very much to seeing you in Barcelona because obviously it's the EPT once again. No, you couldn't make it to Monte Carlo. So this will be the first EPT you've played since the re-rebrand. Is that true? Wow, I didn't even realize that. But oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm glad that the EPT is back as, 
you know, they as the PokerStars uh, account mentioned, it was kind of a silly mistake, I think, to, you know, switch the brand to the PokerStars Championship. But I'm glad that they changed it back because, you know, the EPT has a long history and uh, it's definitely one that I'd like to win. Well, Daniel, as I'm sure you remember from your three previous appearances on this podcast, no guest can ever escape without Joe Stapleton interrogating them with one of his trademark stupid games. Joe, what have you got lined up for Daniel this year? All right, Daniel, we're going to do a little throwback here. This game is called My Way or the Subway. It's a well or little known fact. I'm not sure that Daniel once worked at Subway Restaurant. Really? I was really good, too. He was a sandwich artiste. For a James. moment, I thought that was going to be a hashtag fake fact. I thought you were just trolling us. Nope. So I guess it is a little known fact at this point. Something I used to bring up a lot back in the day, but it's been a while since we revisited I'm this one. just going to throw it out there. It was not mentioned in the motion picture, Kid Poker. Well, that's why I should have been a goddamn consultant. Maybe next time someone will ask me a question about Daniel. Here we go. Question number one. Let's see how much you remember from back in the day and handling all that almost meat. Here we go. Question <laughs> one. In the Italian BMT registered trademark, what does the BMT stand for? And I've got choices if you need them. Uh, the BMT? The Italian BMT. So we got bacon, we got tomato. What the heck's the M? Mushroom. Oh, Daniel, let me give you some choices here. Okay. Is it A, bacon, mayo, tomato? Is it B, black forest, ham, mayo, tomato? Is it C, biggest, meatiest, tastiest, or is it D, the butcher meat trio? Ew, gross. <laughs> <laughs> they all sound horrible. I'll go with the bacon mayo tomato. There is no bacon whatsoever on the Italian BMT. It, in fact, stands for the biggest, meatiest, tastiest. That's so lame. And it originally stood for, for the, the Brooklyn Manhattan transfer, and it was actually named after a subway line. Question number two. I'm enjoying this. Are you enjoying this? Awesome, yes. <laughs> Which of the following is not a type of bread offered in a Subway restaurant? Yes, they're called restaurants. A, the provolone sourdough. B, the jalapeno cheese. C, the Monterey cheddar. Or D, the rosemary sea salt. I'm going to say the rosemary sea salt. Rosemary sea salt is, in fact, one of the several types of bread you can get at Subway. It's the provolone sourdough. Damn, that was my first guess, and then I switched. I was like, why would that be a thing? But whatever, you confused me. Can I just check, Joe? Did you do, like, internet research for this, or do you just know this shit about Subway restaurants? Uh, a little bit of both. I don't know what to tell you. This one I did have to look up on the internet. Question three. There are 35,000 McDonald's locations in the world. How many... Does Subway have 44,000, 30,000, 50,000, or 26,000? Oh, let's go with 30,000. 30,000 is incorrect. There are 44,000 Subway locations in the world, more than 10,000, just about 10,000 more than McDonald's. Wow, that's shocking. And Daniel's dog could not believe that. Was that Rocky or Apollo? <laughs> That was uh, a Rocky. Rocky's the louder one. <laughs> Rocky was like, bullshit. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Question four. Just very quickly, before this quiz continues, Daniel, are yes. you excited for Creed 2? I'm so excited. Could you imagine Drago's son versus Creed's I son? I know, right? I know. Even I'm excited. I didn't even like the Rocky movies that much. 
Uh, oh, I gotta, I gotta see Creed. Uh, Creed is one I, I need to see. I've it's heard very it's good. Fantastic. Uh, question four: In the United Kingdom, adding what feature to your sandwich at Subway will cause you to have to pay a twenty percent tax on it? I know. Is it adding avocado, adding cheese, adding Thai chili sauce, or having it toasted? I can help okay, you, Daniel. Cheese or avocado? I can help, I'm Daniel. Say avocado. Daniel, you should have asked for my help. James. The twenty percent tax is value-added tax, which is applied to applied to luxury purchases. Having your sandwich toasted makes it a luxury item. <laughs> That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. That is so. That is a ripoff. That is a scam. How can they do that, people? No one said it was logical, Daniel. That's just the way things are here. All right, well, Daniel's given us a lot of his time. I'm just going to ask two more of these questions. Uh, question: uh, We're going to skip ahead to six here. Which of these was a real PR stunt? that Subway pulled? Was it that they created a Subway card made entirely of wheat bread? <laughs> Was it they commissioned Lionel Richie to rewrite his song to All Night Footlong? <laughs> Was it that they created a fashion show called Project Subway? Mm. Or... Was it that they enlisted a minor league baseball player to take it at bat using a loaf of jalapeno <laughs> cheese bread? Let's go with the fashion show thing. The fashion show is correct. Daniel is on the board. They that did was the lamest one. Well, I made up the rest of but them. But they You're need welcome. to employ you as a marketing consultant then because all the <laughs> others were very, very good. They actually uh, en uh, en enlisted in fashion designers to make uh, clothing out of their food items. Uh, oh, let's see. Okay. Long. <laughs> Man, there's a couple. Is that of a new sponsor of this show, by the way? Eat fresh. Uh, man, some of these questions are so good. But uh, Daniel, choose between questions seven, eight, or nine. I'm down for seven. Okay, here we go. Subway has locations in 110 countries around the world. Translated back into English, what is Subway called in China? Is it taste better than others? Meat is good on bread. Long food happy face. Or American Thin Meat Vehicle. <laughs> what was the second one again? Meat is good on bread. Let's go. Meat is good on bread. Meat is good on bread is very close. Unfortunately, it is taste better than others. That is what Subway is translated back into in English <laughs> in China. Daniel, uh, you did terribly at the game, but we expect no less because my games are the worst. Thanks a lot for being with us, buddy. Appreciate you. Anytime, man. I, I would have done the whole game. I like those things. They're fun. Okay, okay. Wait, wait. They're good. Okay. There's two good ones here. Okay. <laughs> Sub Subway was sued and lost for what reason? A, many of the meats didn't contain actual meat. B, <laughs> pumping that bread smell out into the streets. C, genetically enhanced lettuce. Or D, the footlong subs actually measured up at 11 inches. Let's go with, with the bread smell in the streets. Bread smell in the streets is something they should be sued for, especially for all those people not eating carbs, but it was actually that the footlong subs were 11 inches. They <laughs> lost that suit. <laughs> and finally, Daniel, this is one that I know you'll appreciate because you, uh, you care about what you put in your body. In 2014, Subway stopped using an ingredient in its bread called azote carbon carbonamide that is also commonly used in the making of A, yoga mats, B, truck tires, C, tennis balls, or D, personal intimacy lubricant. <laughs> I, this one has to be yoga mats. 
Gilgamesh is correct. You went out with a correct answer. Wow. And I'm going to say thank you once again, Danny Negreanu. You are the best, my friend. <laughs> All right, bud. Have a, have, have a good day. You too. Poker in the ears. Now, Joe, I'm just going to warn you. I know that you're loving the fact that for you, this is an ideal time to record the podcast. Yeah. Because obviously it's later in the day. Don't get used to it, buddy. This was a special one-time-only deal because Daniel Negreanu wants to do it at mid-morning LA time. And I was shocked to see that you guys are in the office past 6, 7 p.m. to finish up the show. I was like, oh, man, what a treat. <laughs> yeah, just to be clear, this is a special one-time <laughs> pass for Daniel Negreanu. No one else is going to get that special treatment. It's either our way or the highway as regarding their guest appearance on this show. Um so, yes, the Poker in the Ears free rolls are back with our return. Yay! Hopefully, everything runs smoothly this coming Sunday because Sunday, the 19th of August, is when the next $500 Poker in the Ears free roll takes place. Here are the times in three different time zones 1 30 p.m. Eastern, 6 30 p.m. UK. 7.30 p.m. Central European time. The game will not appear in the lobby until 15 minutes before it starts. No late registration available. So you've got a 15-minute window to get into the game, assuming you are from Europe or Canada, because it's only available to players in Europe and Canada. The name of this week's Poker in the S free roll is Dineg's Delight, in honor of our guest, Mr. Daniel Negreanu. Dineg's Delight. Is hilarious. Joe, would you like to reveal the password for this week's free roll? Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. One word. H-E-Y-B-U-D-D-Y. So funny. Is the Canadian-themed password for this week's Poker in the Ears free roll. Uh, you know, that's like Daniel's go-to. Like, if he just his go-to hello. I don't want to put him on blast completely, but, like, if he can't remember <laughs> someone's name, he just says, hey, buddy, to them, which is just fucking brilliant. What a great password. <laughs> So that's your chance to win a slice of the $500 prize pool in this week's free roll. Now it's a chance for one of our listeners to win prizes in this week's super fan contest. One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan versus Stapes. So please welcome to Poker in the Ears, Mr. Brian Siegel. Greetings, Brian. Thanks for having me, uh, Adam and Terrence, on your final episode. Oh, wow. Oh. Was that a burn toward us or a burn toward them? I don't even know. I guess it was a double burn. I don't know. I, you guys are my favorite pot. Well, I don't know. Well. Well, now they've gone, yes. Look, we were very happy being number two. We talked about this earlier on, Brian. We miss those guys as much as everyone else does. Uh, we just hope that we can populate at least a little part of the void that they have left. I am going to detect from your accent that you're in North America. I am. I uh, am a resident of Santa Monica, California. Oh, wow. My neighbor. Yeah, but far enough away that it's still safe. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, look, in, in L.A. terms, you might as well be in a different state. Absolutely. Who's your daddy and what, what does he do? Uh, I'm a former athletic director who's just enjoying his summer uh, vacation. Tell us more, Brian. This sounds like an exciting profession. Uh, it's not that exciting. Just uh, hanging out with kids and uh, enjoying athletics. That is exciting. That sounds good to me. It's fun. You get you get, you get to hang out with kids and uh, in, enjoy the day outside. Are you a 
like a like a hardcore winning is everything get your shit together give me 10 laps around the gym you kind see, of athletic director as soon as brian mentioned he was an athletic director i'm thinking last chance you i'm thinking that this guy is swearing and hollering and slamming doors and being an a-hole but i'm figuring that's not his style uh, th- that was definitely my father and then you know <laughs> i had to i had to take it down a notch yeah, daddy issues. I like this guy already. This guy's <laughs> speaking my language. Now, based on your uh, Twitter profile, Brian, I was going to ask, are you a descendant of the Siegel family that were instrumental in the founding of the city of Las Vegas? I like to think so. Um, it, I can't confirm nor deny. However. I like it. The man's an enigma. And I like enigmas. Uh, I should say, Brian, that you first applied to be on Superfan vs. Stapes towards the beginning of this year. You've been in the queue for some time. And it's amazing that you didn't get fast-tracked because Swingers is a movie that I love. I know it's a movie that Joe loves to the point where... Did you say it's like Tide is your favorite movie of all time, Joe? Yeah, like that and Out of Sight and The Sting are like all neck and neck, depending on how I'm feeling that day. Swingers is probably the movie I've seen the most times in my life. Yeah, I mean, bearing in mind that I knew that Joe would actually stand a decent chance and I like these quizzes to be competitive, it's amazing we didn't do this uh, earlier. Um, It is a fun film and I felt I got to give a gift this week. We have a new intern in the office. We say goodbye to Robbie and Matty and we forget about them. We're never going to see them again. You're dead to me! We say hello to Patrick. So new intern Patrick was tasked in only his first month being with us to watch Swingers and compile this week's Superfan Quiz. Now, I think that's an amazing gift to tell someone you get to watch this movie for the first time. Did this intern like the movie is the thing. I'm not sure. Like, it's a it's a very 90s movie. This kid probably wasn't even born yet when yep. this movie came out. I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't ask because I just assumed that he must have done. I mean, how can you not? Who doesn't like Swingers? Jess Wellman. Uh, okay, with the exception of Jess Wellman, who hates anything <laughs> made in color. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Brian, is this up there for you, or did you just know that I love the movie? Oh, this this was my... It came out at the perfect time. I just graduated college, so this was right in my wheelhouse living in L.A. and My favorite movie. But now, now I'm nervous, because w- what's your record? You're like th- two, three, and a million? And now... <laughs> now now you got a shot to beat me if this is what you know. This is the movie you've watched the most. So I announced earlier in the show that I'm not going to go easy on you. This one, I'm I'm going to shellack you, Brian. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck you up. But since you live in Santa Monica, if you ever, uh, if I if I if I win, and if you're ever somewhere where I am at in Los Angeles, and you do not win this competition, I will I will treat you to several drinks on me. I, I think it's fair enough, but but I'm really not that nervous. I, I don't think you can pull it off. Wow. wow. Okay, here we go. We got ourselves Smack a game talk. here. Smack talk. I'm loving it. Uh, so here's the deal, Brian. Being a resident of the United States of America, sadly, I can't give you uh, any kind of satellite tickets or any kind. But obviously, we do have a whole host of PokerStar swag at our fingertips. You're going to get something for coming on the show out of our gratitude for being a loyal listener. But the volume of Pokestar swag you get will be dependent on whether you can defeat Joe Stapleton, as you have just predicted. Just to remind everyone of the format, because it's been a while, uh, there are bizarrely 11 questions, but we'll do 10 of them. So you pick a number, 1 through 11. If you can get the question right without the multiple choice options, it's two points. If you need the options, the score reduces to one point. So, Brian... I'm really, I'm really regretting all the, uh, all the grandstanding I just did, actually. <laughs> I kind of want to take some of that back. 
Um, so, Brian, I will give you the option of going first. You can take question one. You can take question four. Any number between one and 11. Where do you want to go on the board? Well, I, I think for leveling purposes, I'm going to pass on seven and just go with number one. Okay. I should have said this before actually giving you the option. Patrick has very efficiently put time codes against each question. So I can confirm that the questions are in chronological sequence in the movie. But that doesn't stop you from not going chronologically if the question, with the questions if you so desire. But question one, uh, from early on in the film, who leaves the fourth and final voicemail on Mike's answer phone when he's checking for a voicemail from Michelle? For two points, can you nail it without the multiple choice options, Brian? I believe that would be Grandma. It is Grandma for two points, and you wow. are on the board, sir. Joe, I'm in big trouble. Oh, really? You wouldn't have got that? Uh, I don't know if I would have. I, 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 I was thinking his his mother, but I would have had to go with the choices, I think. And his I, mother was one of the options, so you probably would have been uh, fooled by that. Question two. Question two. It concerns the blackjack scene in Vegas. Which two cards rank and suit? Is Mike dealt when he sits down to play blackjack in Vegas? You gotta be fucking kidding me. Uh, he is. <laughs> I'll take the options. Christ. Five, six of hearts, six, seven of spades, eight, four of clubs, jack of spades, jack of clubs. It's five, six of hearts. You got that because, of course, famously, it's 11 and you have to double down on 11. Uh, the score is 2-1, second round. Which number would you like, Brian? I don't know. I, I feel like there should have been a couple of 11 options there. I mean, it was pretty <laughs> obvious that the Brian, you know, Brian, total was 11. He, Brian, you know you're going to win this, so don't begrudge him a point. All right. Number three. <laughs> number three. What is the name of the blackjack dealer at the first table that Mike sits at? Oh, wow. No clue. Uh, I'll, I'll take the options. Is it Joe, Bob? Billy or Chris? I think it's Joe. It is not Joe. It is Bob. Okay. Joe, which question would you like? I feel like there should have been more B answers there to throw him off more, but fine. <laughs> uh, I'm going. Just I'm going to go in order. Okay. Question number four. <laughs> Sorry, this is a ridiculous question. Uh, obviously, you can give Patrick feedback afterwards. How many flowers are on Mike's tie? When he's in Vegas. God, are you serious? <laughs> I mean, clearly, this guy has done an observational quiz and has naively assumed that you guys will have watched the film directly before competing in this quiz. How many fucking flowers are on his tie? <laughs> now, if I guess without getting the choices, then uh, Brian can steal? Uh, yes, he can. See, I kind of want to guess without the choices and just go for it, but then I run the risk of him getting the choices and getting another point on me, so I'll just take the choices. Three, four, five, or six? Three. Correct! And we have a tied game. That's what I would have said for two points, goddammit. See? Somewhere in your subconscious, you had stored that piece of useless information. I think three is just a very common number. It's my favorite number of eggs to have in an omelette. Thank you, Joe. Brian, do you want to keep going chronologically? Yes, please. Okay, what is the name of the bar where Mike and Trent meet Christy and Lisa? The Bamboo Lounge. It is for two points. Very nice, very nice. Question six, Joe. 
Yeah. What number is on the back of Sue's ice hockey jersey when they're playing the video game? 99. Wayne Gretzky, correct. Number seven, it's, Brian? It's, it's not so much me as it is Bronick. Yeah, oh, the best line in the movie. <laughs> I'll, I'll take seven. When Mike, Trent, Rob, Sue and Charles are driving to the party in the hills, who is driving at the front? Can you repeat it one more time? When Mike, Trent, Rob, Sue and Charles are going to the party in the hills, who is driving at the front? Well, they're all driving. All, all, all five of them take separate cars. Who's driving at the front? Oh, at the front. Uh, I guess this isn't one you really need to ask for choices, is it? <laughs> no. Uh, wow. Although, to play defense, maybe I ask for choices. Uh, I'll take a shot. Um, I'll go with Trent. Correct for two points. Gotta be Trent. He's the one who knows where the party is. Joey, are you going for number eight? Yeah, 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 yeah. What song is playing when Mike, Trent, Rob, Sue, and Charles walk into the Dresden? Oh, oh it's uh, it's the Bee Gees. It's uh, Staying Alive. It is for two points, and we have a tied game still. Six apiece. As we head into the final round, now a reminder, Brian, you can choose 9, 10, or 11. We can keep going in chronological order, or you can mix things up. By the way, wow. the, ba the band that's playing when they walk into the Dresden back in 1996, so that movie was shot or whatever, D Marty and Elaine, they still play there multiple nights a week. You do not I get a actually... bonus point for that hashtag fun fact. <laughs> well, I've been, so do I get one for that? <laughs> no bonus point I, for that I hashtag like, humblebrag. I feel like you're, <laughs> like you're uh, leading the witness, so I'm going to skip nine and take ten. I wasn't. In all honesty, I was just trying to put some drama into this. Uh, where did Lorraine move to Los Angeles from? Oh. I do know. I'm gonna need the choices. Okay. Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, or Ohio? Oh, I believe it's Wisconsin. It is for one point. So, Joe, questions 9 and 11 are available. If 9, you can, please. Okay, and if you can get this without the choices, you win. All and right. you owe Brian some drinks. How many voicemail messages does Mike try and leave on Nikki's phone before she picks oh, up the phone? Oh, wow. What a great question. But I will not be able to get it. Oh, man. I feel like I just have to take take a shot at this. So just to be clear, <sighs> if you nail it, you win. If you get it wrong, there's no stealing, you lose. Right. Because <sighs> the, the choices are going to be like four, five, six, or seven, and I'm not going to really know. Oh, God, just give me a sec to time. I just need some time here. Let me try to think about this. <laughs> Just out of interest, Brian, do you know the answer? I'm 72% sure. Are you sure that's not 72.36%? No, it's it's 72%. Spot on, okay. I, I have to take the choices. 
four, five, six, or seven. <laughs> yeah. I should get something for knowing exactly what the choices are. Seven. Too many. It is always, it is always coming seven. What were you thinking it was, Brian? I was thinking it was six. It was six, but you didn't need the bonus point because you're already ahead in the quiz. You have won this week's edition of Superfan vs. Stapes. Joe was so confident, but that confidence was slightly misplaced. It was close, though. You do win by one point. Congratulations. We are going to send you uh, a little package of Pokestar swag. Thanks. You guys are the best. Nice work, Brian. Patrick, you're fucking fired. <laughs> <laughs> he's only been with us a month joe give him another chance well then no one is no one's gonna miss him then okay next week's quiz joe is the movie everest have you seen everest i have not seen everest and why do i have to watch everest apparently it's quite good i would recommend that you literally watch the movie directly before we record the podcast uh and the third scene of everest how many snowflakes uh <laughs> fall <laughs> fucking kill this kid <laughs> Brian, thank you very much for coming on the show. Appreciate your time. Thanks for having me, guys. Nice work, Brian. Joe, before we close out this week's show, doing the Superfan segment reminded me that I had a random package delivered to the London office from a former Superfan. Gabe in New York sent something to the London office and his cryptic tweet says, Joe knows what this is about. I did open the package, even though it was, I guess, for you rather than for me. But it was a series of T-shirts saying, well, listen to Bad Beat Stories for $10. I don't get it. So please explain. Okay, hold on a second. I'm trying to pull up the message from, from Gabe where he said what's going on. First of all, Gabe said, I, I want to send you and James some T-shirts. Uh, where can I send them? And I was like... I don't know if I really want to like start giving out my home address to people. Oh, I know. Send it to James in London at the office. So let me see if I can pull up this minute. Here he is, Gabe. Okay, here we go. He says, uh, okay, well, uh, hey, man, I made some funny T-shirts, at least to me, and I want to send you one and one for James. What's your size? And if you know James's would be great. Where can I send them? Oh, and it's poker-related. Uh... Have I, have I ruined it by revealing what's on the T-shirt? I think so. I think that uh, basically, it, I think it's something based on what I what I did in the World Series, maybe. Like, I charged people money to tell me bad beat stories. Ah, sorry, I wasn't aware of that, which is probably, probably why I'm missing the gag. And I why think I was so. staring at this T-shirt blankly going, uh, I don't get it. Yeah. I don't, I'm not, but thank you, I, Gabe. It's, it's appreciated, even though it caused much confusion. It's probably something that I should have a stronger grip on that I've just forgotten. I'm sure Gabe will write in and tell us that we can explain the, the mystery of these t shirts on the next episode. But regardless, thank you, Gabe. Hashtag poker in the ears if you want to get in touch. That applies to superfan applications because we're always looking for people uh, to sign up, to come on the show, to try and win prizes. Uh, it also applies to any feedback you have. And obviously we asked the question earlier on if there's anything we're not doing, something stuff, stuff you want us to do more of. I, at least, out of the duo, am willing to listen. <laughs> 
I think it's very cool that you're putting that out there. And if, if somehow we get to add a new segment to the show or, or mix things up a little bit, I, I'm totally down for it. Well, the weird I thing mean, is, I mean, obviously, I know we've evolved, evolved. We've also evolved over the years because when we started out, we were doing a TV show every single week. Like we were on TV and that meant also on YouTube, PSTV every seven days and so every, <laughs> <I remember. laughs> every single episode was almost like a companion piece to right. the tv show and the kind of crux of the podcast was kind of like chatting about that show or talking to someone who featured in that show well that's i mean don't get me wrong the tv shows are still a thing and the pca shows are going to be on very soon and we'll go back to doing tv recaps but we have huge parts of the year now where we're not on air so it's 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 good to have other stuff to talk about and other stuff to do yeah i'm into it please help us out (laughs) tell us some stuff to talk about so joe the theme of next week's podcast obviously is looking ahead to barcelona it's our official barcelona preview show we got the Barcelona preview show next week. I have Finton Hand written here for some reason. I guess he's our guest next week. Finton Hand, who will be one of the commentary team in Barcelona, will be here. Uh, it's also for the interest of political balance. Like, you know, on TV, if they interview like a, a leading uh, front bench minister from the Tory party, you've got to get like the Labour front bench spokesperson on as well sure. to balance it we had spraggy on to do the uh, scoop recap a few weeks back so we now have to have finton on otherwise you know it's going to cause complaints and problems. yeah we don't want to have a problem between those two i actually i streamed with spraggy over the break i uh there's this video game called a way out where you have i was to play watching it. remember uh, that's right you came in for a little bit you're, you're one of the all-time great trolls by the way your trolling is just fucking top notch buddy the difference is though i troll under my name right i'm yeah. not hiding behind some alias and i'm Correct. trolling people who i know and i know will take the joke not oh, random sure. strangers who i've met on the internet yes absolutely no i that's and that's why it's 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 good it's good trolling i was genuinely complimenting you <laughs> Uh, as we are closing out the show, guys, do not forget, subscribe to us. Where's all the places people can listen to this, by the way, if someone's looking for other options? Okay, so iTunes is the obvious home of podcasts, and I know right. many people will get their stuff through iTunes. But then you have all the anti-Apple people, right? Well, you've right. got Stitcher, you've got SoundCloud. You can get us directly from pokestars.com slash podcast. Any of those outlets are the best places to go. All right, and while you're doing those things, subscribe to us. Leave us a comment. Give us a like. Give us a share. These things all help us out immensely. Once you get the ball rolling on these things, it kind of snowballs. So a little grassroots movement to get uh, our new season of Poker in the Years going would be greatly appreciated. But for now, that is all the time we have got for this week's show. Until next time, for James Hardigan, this is Joe Stapleton saying smell you later. <laughs>